0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. It's speaking about the life of Saul and how he came to a place where he met God. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he said, trembling and astonished, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to speak to you this morning on something that I've titled Words That Speak. Words That Speak. I want to start off and I'm going to get into this. And it's always hard having a time limit because once you start kind of getting into the meat of things, you kind of have to get away from it. And so I'm going to have to do this in at least two, maybe even three different stages. So we're going to get into it today. And really what I want to do today is I'm going to start setting a foundation and start explaining to you the importance and the significance of words as it relates to our relationship with God. And next week we're going to get more into the practicalities of how that actually works and how we go about and do it. When we have a look at the story of Saul and how Saul came to a place where he came into connection, into contact, into relationship with God. There are a lot of different things that we can explore in this, but I I don't want to look at all of the other things right at this point. What I want to have a look at in the story focuses specifically on all the communication that takes place in this context, because it speaks about God speaking to him, him speaking to God, God speaking to Ananias, Ananias getting visions, people hearing God's voice. We want to hear God's voice. I can tell you that the place that we're going to is going to be dependent on our ability to be able to connect with God and to be able to hear God's voice. And what I really want to do today is I want to prove to you why that's so significant and why it'll change your life and it'll change your Christianity. There are moments in our life, there are moments in time that are very effective and make a change to who we are. There are different events that happen throughout the course of our life and some some events make more of an indelible mark on our life than others do. Very often it's so easy to get caught up in routine, it's so easy to get caught up in everyday life and their functions and their demands that are placed on us on a regular basis, things that we need to do and things that need to happen in our life and we fulfill those. And those things seem to waft in and they seem to waft out and we seem to move from one to the next. But there are certain things that happen in our life, there are certain events that take place in our life and we don't forget those events because they touch us and they change us in ways that other events don't. The time that you got to that place where you graduated from college and suddenly you started in the workforce, life changed. Because all of a sudden you got to a place where I was no longer dependent on anybody else and I was at a point where I was embracing my independence and I was forging out and I was moving out into a new life and I was discovering who I was. And together with discovering who I was, I moved to a place where I recognized the responsibilities that came with being an adult and my life would never be the same. I would never go back to who I was because I've now embraced adulthood in its entirety. The times when you get married where your life is never the same. You knew what it was to live independently. You knew what it was to live, live as an individual. But suddenly somebody else of significance has come into your life and your life would never be the same. It would be changed from that moment forward. I can remember the morning that we went to the hospital and Colton, our oldest son, was born. Life was never the same afterwards. It never was the same. We never went back to what it was to be free and to be easy and to sleep through the night. We never went back to the place where we just had to think about ourselves. And we could go out all hours and come back whenever we wanted. We were no longer our own because life changed. I can remember when my dad passed away. And life changed. And in ways that I least expected it. I didn't understand until he passed away that outside of God, the only two people that I really knew would always be there for me were my parents. They can't get rid of you. But it didn't matter what happened at school. It didn't matter what happened out in the workplace. It didn't matter what happened in your marriage setting. It didn't matter what happened out in the work environment. It didn't matter what happened in life. There was a place you could always go that you could call home. A place where you could always go where they would sit and say, come in, tell me what's happening in your life. A place where you felt you could go and they could make deposits into your life. And when that moved, there was a void that I recognized. That I didn't even esteem and give it the recognition that it deserved until it was gone. But life changed. And when life changes, things happen. When life changes, it moves us into a place where I suddenly move to a whole new way of living. And I move to a place where circumstances... Come in and bring about change and transformation. The circumstances are irrevocable. You can't change them. Because once they're there, they're there. They don't disappear. But the effects and the consequences of them being there are long lasting. I recognize that at that point, the moment that I got my first job, the moment that I said I do, the moment that I cut the cord, all of a sudden life changed. And when life changed in that moment, I recognized that I was a different person. But I was not fully defined. When I stepped into what it meant to be a father, I moved into a new space. I became a father. I became something new. But I was still not fully redefined as to what it meant. I was going to learn and I was going to grow. And I was going to understand what it meant to be a father and what it meant to step into fatherhood so that I became a good father as opposed to a bad father. Things happened when you said I do because all of a sudden your life changed and you stepped over and you became Mr. And she became Mrs. I was changed. The two became one. And although I was changed, I didn't really understand in this complexity and in its entirety what it was to be redefined as a married man. But I was stepping into a new area of my life. And I was going out and I was venturing forth and I was to discover what that was. Everybody tells you what it means to be married. And if you're a good, solid citizen, you're going to go and do a bit of research beforehand. So you're going to get hold of some books and you're going to do a little bit of marriage counseling. You're going to listen to the inputs of some people. You're going to default to some of the things that have been modeled for you. And you think that you're so ready for marriage. And you so think you, we think we're so ready to step into the two shall become one. And suddenly I get into that thing and I recognize the fact that I'm not ready for what I thought. And I start applying the principles of what it is that I've read. And how do we build romance in? And how do I get to that place where it's like, you know what? I want you to understand how much I love you. And so I write you lovely cards and mushy things. I took the things that I knew and the things that I understood and I began to apply them in the context of the new me only to discover that there were such blunt instruments. You see... I never got to understand Sarah until she opened her mouth. It's more meaningful for me when you go and dig my flower bed. As opposed to sending me a mushy card. But I didn't know that until she opened her mouth and said something. I had an idea what romance was. I had an idea what marriage was about. I had an idea about what it meant to be a husband. But I didn't know until she opened her mouth. Because when she opened her mouth, all of a sudden something came into me. And immediately I knew what it was that she liked and what she didn't like. And it gave the the effect on me of giving definition to what our marriage was going to be. Saul is on his mission. And he's out and he's on his way. And all of a sudden a light comes out from heaven. And he falls to the ground. And he gets up. And he hears a voice that says to him, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he turns around and he says, who are you, Lord? He had an encounter. He had a moment in his journey where his life was irrevocably touched. And it would never be the same. Suddenly he knew he had changed. Suddenly he knew he was somebody different. But he was still not fully redefined in terms of who he was going to be. All he knew was, Lord, that's you. Lord, that's you. Everyone who comes to a place where we get born again has had an encounter with Christ. Yours may not be as dramatic as Saul's. Maybe there was no big light. Maybe there's no booming voice. But you got to a place where you heard his voice. And as a result of that, you made a commitment to sit and say, I want you to spend my, your life with me. And in that moment, you were changed, Amen. you were transformed. And I stepped out into something new, something that I didn't fully understand, something I couldn't always wrap my hands around and give ultimate definition to. But I knew that I was somebody new. I knew that I was somebody different. And in that context, I'm in pursuit of redefinition. What does it mean to be this person? their God and you will be my people you will be peculiar and so we pursue our journey with good intentions and we go to church and we hear good sermons and we go to Bible school and we hear good teachings and we read good books and we get good knowledge and we get a lot of stuff But the most important part of the journey is that all of the things that equip you to understand what the journey is about. All of the things that give you a framework as to what it is that you stepped into. All of those things which are guidelines are never a substitute for when he opens his mouth. It's never a substitute for the moment when he opens his mouth. You see when he speaks everything changes. When he speaks, everything changes. The Christian walk is not about the blunt instruments. The Christian walk is about the voice. The Christian walk is about getting to that place. In the intimacy of relationship where I sit and say, I know what I'm trying to do and I know where I'm trying to go. Speak to me. Because that gives definition to me as to where we're going. That's why we talk about relationship. All the other things have a place. But never is there a substitute for the intimacy and the individuality and the power of personal words. John 6 verse 44 says, nobody comes to me unless the father draws them. Do you know what's so good about that? You can take consolation in this. If you're a person who's out there and you're sitting saying, I'm struggling because I can't hear the voice of God. I hear people talk about it and I hear people mention it and I'm gaining an understanding of how valuable it is. The challenge with it is, I don't know how to do it. The moment you got born again, you had an experience with it. It says that it's not possible for you to come to Christ unless the Father draws you. The thing with it is, is when we get to that place, what we end up doing is we start giving definitions to how we think that is. And what I really want to explore in the next couple of weeks is the reality and the truth that God is going to meet us in places that we least expect. But it's no less powerful. And if we open ourselves up and we maintain an appetite and a hunger to be able to meet with him and speak with him, he will meet you in that place. He'll meet you in that place. It's all about communication. You see, the moment we get born again, it's like two strangers who walk into a room. And I move into that place and all of a sudden, I know that you exist because I can see you. It's self-evident. I see your form. You exist, but I don't know who you are. If I want to get to know you, you have to open your mouth. Because the things that really define you and who you are, the things that give evidence to your individuality and the things that are are core to your identity are the things that are not visible to the eye, but they're the things that come out of the mouth. Words are important to us because in a natural context, that's how we get to know one another. In a marriage context, that's how we get to know one another. We speak natural words. And natural words act as seeds that give us the opportunity to understand and participate in the life of somebody else. We use natural words. The thing about it is God is a supernatural being. So when God speaks, God speaks supernatural words. Which means God's words not only come out of his mouth and give us an understanding and a grid for who it is, but it makes himself evident. You have an encounter with it at the same time. When God says, be healed, he's not giving you an idea as to what healing is all about. What he's saying is, pick up your bed and walk. That's the big difference. We speak about what healing means and we speak about how to get healed and we speak about how God is the healer and we speak about what Christ has done. We give people every kind of an explanation and not to say that any of it is wrong. But the difference between it is that my words are natural. But when he speaks, he says, raise up your bed and walk. He's not just saying, I am healing. He's saying, encounter it. Words that come out of his mouth carry with it the power to transform and to bring about change. I got to hear his voice. I got to hear his voice. Helen Keller, a very famous person, when she was very young, had a rare disease. As a result of her disease, she lost the ability to see. And the ability to hear. And she spent five years. In a place where she was disconnected. From everyone around her. And from her world. And she wrote these words. Sometimes. A sense of loneliness covers me like a cold mist. I sit alone and wait at life's shut door. Beyond there is a light in music and sweet friendship, but I may not enter. Her ability to communicate was compromised, and as a result of her inability to communicate, she was shut off from life. She knew it was there, she knew it existed. She just couldn't participate in it. We don't get to participate in the things of God unless we can hear his voice. It's simple, but it's profound. It's simple, but it's important because it makes us realize what the focus and what our vision is. It's not acquiring knowledge. It's getting to a place where I can meet with him. It's getting to that place where I can hear what he has to say because what he says changes everything. The good news is, God is committed to it the good news is he is the author and he is the finisher and what he's saying is the work that I've begun in you I will be faithful to fulfill it what he's saying to you is I'm going to use every opportunity, every door opening, every little crack that I can find, every conversation that you have with a person, every time that you interact with my word, every opportunity that I get, I'm going to grab hold of it and I'm going to utilize it because I want you to realize and I want you to come to a place where you can hear what I have to say. He's looking for opportunities. All we have to do is maintain hunger. But he's looking for the opportunity to do that to us. He wants to meet with us. She couldn't meet with the world. She couldn't meet with the world based on the way that they wanted to communicate. And so she had to go a different route. And so what Helen Keller decided to do was she got in contact with a teacher who taught her the language of touch. The language of touch. She learned to speak with her hands. She took her out into the woods. And she took her to the circus. and She took her to factories. And she took her to different places where she got to touch different things. For her to know a flower was to touch the flower. And feel the flower. And smell the flower. her senses became so acute and so developed that it reached a stage where she made the quote, she said, my hands speak almost as loudly as words. She said, one of the most frightening things I have is when I shake hands with somebody and I can feel their emptiness. Their lack of joy and she said it's like shaking hands with a storm it frightens me the point i'm making is this in the economy of god there is a place to recognize that our traditional mode of doing things is there is a model for us but it's not exclusive And the way that God is going to deal with us is slightly different. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just different. God has given us a set of senses so that we're able to engage with our world and touch the different aspects of our world so we can get a grasp, so we can feel, so that we can experience, so that we can smell, so that all of those things that that form part of our natural world can become an experience through us. But the thing about it is, the reason he gave you that was a training ground. It was really a training ground for you to move to a place where you discover your spiritual senses. You didn't know you had them. Perhaps you didn't. You probably did because you're much smarter than me. But you have spiritual senses. The thing about it is, we've neglected them. We haven't known that they existed. And because we've never done that, we've never spent the time developing them and growing our spiritual senses. And as a result, we wonder why we're disconnected from spiritual things. I feel like I'm at the door and the spiritual world is happening outside there. But I'm not able to participate in it. God's inviting us to that place where He's sitting saying, I've given you everything that you need and I'm going to work with you so that you can understand, discover, hone and develop your spiritual senses so that you can move to a place where that world becomes real to you. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and developer of your faith. He's speaking about the eye of the heart. He's not speaking about your natural eye. Jesus isn't sitting in a chair next to you. He's talking about the eye of your heart. Touch and taste that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you will hear the words of my mouth and obey what I say, you will be unto me a peculiar people. If you hear and obey. My sheep hear my voice. What is he doing? He's saying to us, I'm introducing you to the reality that I want to connect with you. I'm introducing you to the reality and the truth that I want for you to understand and recognize your spiritual senses and to grab a hold of those senses and to begin to cultivate and grow them. It's about time. It's about interest. It's about hunger. It's about investment. It's about commitment. It's about something on the inside of me that sits and says, I want to be able to connect with a world that I feel somewhat disconnected from currently. As a result of Paul having met with Jesus. He was at a place where he suddenly realized that he couldn't see. And the people around him had to take him to Damascus. But he had lost his sight. He had lost his sight. And in the darkness, he's moving in a direction. But he doesn't know what the future holds. All he knows is, I had a great encounter, but it cost me my sight. There are challenges that we go through in life. And the thing that you're going through right now is not about the thing that you're going through right now. The thing that you are going through right now is all about an opportunity and an invitation for you to discover your spiritual senses. God's sitting, saying, not by might, not by power, not by, uh, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. He'll take care of the stuff that's happening right at the moment. What he's saying is, can you hear what I'm saying? It's an invitation. It's an opportunity. I'm extending to you to sit and say, can you discover me in the moment? Can you see where I am? For him, the issue is inconsequential. He's taken care of the issue. In that moment, it's not about God discovering who he is. It's about us discovering who he is. I don't know in that moment, who is he? What is he trying to say to me? And I'm looking. The invitation is there to sit and say, can you connect with me? Can you open your ears? Can you open your eyes? Because if you can, you'll get something from me. And when you get something from me, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. Well, Saul goes into Damascus. God is already at work. We think that God is only just looking after me and my stuff. The funny thing is, he is. But it's not only with you. He's out doing stuff out and about because he knows the plan and the purposes that he has for you. And he's busy orchestrating stuff all around that we are not even aware of. Saul is blind. He's being guided. He's just had an encounter. He's moving into a whole new city in Damascus. And all of a sudden he doesn't even realize it. But God is giving a vision to a disciple across the other side of Damascus saying to him, Ananias, you'll never guess what happened news for you. i got a mission for you. Because why? And Ananias knew how to touch the things of God. He knew how to hear his voice. He was able to use the eyes of his heart. So he saw a vision. And he knew where it came from. And he said, Lord, you really want me to do that? Do you know who you're talking about? And God says to him, he says to him, I want you to go, and I want you to go and meet with Saul, and I want you to pray for his vision, pray for his eyes, and I want you to get him filled with the Holy Spirit. He asked him to do two things, pray for his vision, and get him filled with the Holy Spirit, why? because God is not just a God who's interested in walking us into freedom but God has a destiny God's not just going to take you out from where you are, but what he wants to do is he wants to introduce us to a new reality that's going to define our future and what it's all about. I understand that you can't see. So what I'm going to do is I'll take you out of your current predicament. I'll deliver you from that. I'll give you back your sight. But giving you back your sight is only half of the equation. I don't want to leave you in that place. I want to define what your future is going to look like. So I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit as well because the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to bring about revel- Revelation. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings about power. The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to be the conduit between me and you. He's going to do some stuff in your life. You see, there is a difference between freedom and living from a new reality. When Israel was in Egypt and they were looking for freedom, God gave them freedom and he took them out of Egypt, but he put them into the, into the wilderness They had freedom. They had liberty. They could experience liberty. But that was not God's ultimate goal. He didn't say, I got you out of Egypt to give you freedom. He said, I took you out of Egypt. Now I'm going to lead you. Now I'm going to guide you. Now I'm going to be the God that you are looking for. And I want you to know who I am because I'm going to introduce you to the promised land. That was God's ultimate goal. Something that would define what their future would look like. I'm thrilled that I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb the blood of the Lamb does a great job of washing away my sins. But the blood of the Lamb also does a fabulous job of making and birthing a new creation in Christ. It's not just washing away my sins and saying all of that's been taken care of. It's redefining what my future is going to look like and sitting saying, I want you to live from a new reality. Freedom is a part of the journey, but it's not the destination. When we have anger issues, it's all very well to come up and get prayed. And all of a sudden I find that God gets rid of that and the anger has gone. The challenge with it is he needs to move me into a new way of knowing how to deal with circumstances and situations. Because my capacity and my ability to deal with conflict resolution is, doesn't exist. My default is always anger. You take that away and now I have a conflict. I don't know how to deal with it. There's no point. That's the problem with so many people who come in with Sozo. God does a fabulous job because he gets them healed. He pulls them out. The thing with it is he's saying, you need to establish and step into a new way of living. Because we want to default back to where we've been and what we know. I have to fill it with something new. If I've spent my life in poverty and God comes in and he delivers me and he starts to bless me. And he moves me to a place where all of my needs are provided for. The thing with it is that I've got to step into a new way of living so that I understand how to manage money. Otherwise I'm just like a bucket with a big hole in the bottom. And I never know why I can't get forward because I've never had, and I've never got established on the inside of me what it is and what I need to be able to grab hold of effective ways of managing money. He doesn't just deliver us from something, but he introduces us to a new way of living. Freedom is part of the journey. It's not the destination. We just had Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is good. The thing about Thanksgiving is it's followed by Christmas. So between Thanksgiving and Christmas, people think, what's the point of of watching what I eat anyway? Because it's like I'm hurtling towards something else in about a month's time. So we have four weeks, four weeks, to have fun with food. And we wake up, and what is the number one New Year's resolution? You see, dieting, dieting is part of the journey but it's not the destination the problem with a lot of people is they sit and say well i want to lose these extra pounds and i want to get rid of those so i'm going to go on a diet so we lose the pounds the problem with it is because we don't step into a new way of living when we've lost the pounds i don't understand why they came right back it's probably because of my frequent user miles at at chick-fil-a or one of those places Cinnabon It's Cinnabon It's always Cinnabon, right? (laughs) The thing with it is is Dieting is part of the journey It's not the destination Finding a new way of living Becomes the destination And suddenly I realize That I can be trim And I can be lean And I can have energy And I can move And my blood pressure Is not what it needs to be And my heart is much freer And the blood is pumping much better And my energy levels are much freer Because I'm living from A different destination Freedom is good, but a new reality is better. A new reality is better. Matthew 4 verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not every word that you read in the Bible. Nothing wrong with the Bible, but what he said is, you're going to live from that place where you come and you connect with me. And when you hear me open my mouth and I speak to you, something's going to happen. When I speak to you, change is going to take place. And we begin to recognize and begin to realize the significance of words in the economy of God. Words are important. Words are fundamental to God because words not only liberate us, but words are used to establish a new reality. You will know the truth. How did you know the truth? Because you read it? Because it was on Facebook? Or because you got to that secret place and he said to you, he has an invitation. You will know the truth. Because it comes out of the mouth of God. You will know the truth. And it'll set you free. But freedom's only part of the journey. He's our, it's moving to a place where he's establishing a new reality for us to live from. Romans 10 17, your new reality comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. The word used there is not what you read in the Bible. I'm not saying this is not against the Bible. What I'm saying is the Bible has its place. What he's saying is the calling and the invitation is deeper. It's not about the written word. It's about the living word. It's not just about what you read on the page. It's about an introduction to the person. It's not just be able to glance at what's happening over there. It's about moving to a place where the words of his mouth come out. When the words of his mouth come out, things happen. Things happen when God speaks. When God spoke, the cosmos came into being. When God spoke, the land and the sea separated. When God spoke, rabbits jumped and birds flew. When God spoke, light happened. When God speaks into you, he's going to speak in a new reality. He's going to birth a new world on the inside of you. And it's going to come through him speaking it into you. Can you hear his voice? Can you hear his voice? You see, there is power in words that is not available to us through knowledge. Let me give you an example. We love Christmas. I know I'm going a little bit long. Sorry. Christmas is a happy season. My kids love Christmas. You tell me a kid that doesn't love Christmas and I'll show you a weird kid. <laughs> <clears throat> kids love Christmas. You wake up and it's the sparkle and it's the tinsel and it's the excitement and it's looking forward to Santa because he's going to bring presents and it's getting to that place where I can sit and make my list of everything I can possibly think of and a few others. Because Christmas is exciting. exciting. Every year, um, what I like to do is, I like to take the kids, Sarah and I do a thing, and what we do is, you can go shopping for everybody in the family, so everybody gets a gift. They know that. The thing about it is, they're aware of the fact that dad has the capability to take them shopping. Dad has the credit card, not them. Dad has the vehicle, not them. Dad gets the time. Dad puts in the effort. Dad speaks with them. Dad is the one who walks them to the mall. Dad has the capacity to do a whole bunch of stuff. But there's a difference between knowing that Dad has the capability of doing it and that moment when Dad says, Carter, on Saturday, 10 o'clock, we're going shopping. You see, there's power in the personal invitation that doesn't exist in the knowledge. I know you can do it. I know you have the potential. I know that you can if you want to. I know that you're all-consuming, the the all-powerful God. I know all of those things. But there's something different that happens when God says, I'm going to heal you and pick you up. (laughs) (laughs) Bang! Things happen when God speaks into your life that you don't get from reading the page. There is a place that we have to come to where we connect with him because I've got to hear the invitation. When are we going? Tell me when we're going shopping. I want to know. The challenge is if we never hear the invitation from God we only live with the potential. I'm living knowing what God can do but I'm waiting for the invitation. What about me? What about me? Yeah. Things happen in our life as a result of words. Natural words have their place, but supernatural ways not only give us an understanding, but they bring about creation. God wants us to be aware of the fact that he's built into us all the senses that we have. So that we can engage our natural world. So that it becomes something which becomes so much richer and more rewarding. So that I can actually taste the chocolate and smell the flower and look at the sunrise. And hear my children say, Daddy, I love you. Your senses make life rich and full. He gave you that so that it could become a model for stepping into the spiritual world where we can sit and say, I know what it is to hear and what it is to see. I know what it is to taste those things and I'm looking for them in the spirit world. I'm open and I'm available. Why? Because I'm in pursuit of a word. I need you to speak to me. I need your direction." I need your input. Your words are not only going to move me into freedom. But your words are going to establish a new way of living on the inside of me. That's going to define my future and where I'm going. But it all comes through words. Father, I just want to thank you that you're a living, vibrant God. God. I thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us, but you're always here. I want to thank you for your continual presence and your saturation in our lives. I want to thank you that you are the author and the finisher of all things. And that your design is that we move to a place of intimacy and relationship with you. Where we get to see, touch, and taste, and hear who you are. Use this week, Holy Spirit, to build an awareness of people, of that senses with people. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that what you do is, you set aside, that you, as we set aside time for you, you take that and you begin to reveal those spiritual senses to us. Let us touch the things of yours that give us fullness of understanding. We thank you and we bless you for it now. Amen.